welcome to Web3 Unpacked. I'm your host, Rich Pasqua, founder and CEO of ARC. Each week we unpack the Web3 revolution. Join us as we discover and explore the people, projects, and visionaries building the trusted web. Welcome to the ARC Web3 Unpacked podcast with me, Rich Pasqua, and Matt Sky, our host. Hey there. And we are very excited to have David Berkowitz here with us today to have, join in the discussion. Um, David is a marketing and communications expert and a thought leader who's been riding many waves over the years, much like the rest of us. Um, he also uh, runs a wildly popular website and um, email newsletter called Serial Marketer. Um, he's an avid speaker at global events. And his latest invention, uh, adventure, I should say, is um, him spinning up the CMO coin, which we're going to dive into in a little bit. We're happy to have you here, and let's get started. Yeah. Um, David, if you can just maybe get us going, tell us about your background in marketing. How did you get into blockchain, Web3? What's the appeal? Yeah, well... I've been in digital media and marketing for more than 20 years. Uh, I fell into the field, so I'm not one of those kids who grows up thinking, wow, you know, I want to be a marketer when I grow up. Uh, I, I, I got to say, I did have the, this sense of, uh, I think, first around middle school, that whatever job I'd wind up in hadn't been invented yet. And when I had what, for me, felt like a real turning point when I... Uh, helped found the emerging media team at the agency 360i, and this was uh, about 15, 16 years ago now, uh, then I was like, okay, well, that's one of those rare predictions that came true. And it was like some epiphany uh, that uh, from, from quite a while back. And so, and, and a lot of my career as a writer, as a strategist, as a marketer has been trying to make sense of things for marketers who also have way more experience than I do and, 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 and who go incredibly deep in their fields, but they need someone to work with them and help figure all this out, often through experiential learning. And so as I rode a number of waves through social and mobile and internet of things and the maker movement and all of these things that came up along the way, then not too surprisingly, I wound up finding Web3 fascinating before just about anyone was calling it Web3. Uh, and, and one of those handful of things that I am pretty proud about is that uh, for the trade publication Ad Age, I wrote the first bylined uh, submission mentioning blockchain. And I was even, I remember wow. searching for the word on, uh, on their site when I was uh, when I was about to write the article, I'm like, has anyone covered this before? And I want to make sure I have an original article. I'm like, oh, no one's written a combat. Like it came up in a, a couple of uh, smaller articles. Uh, but uh, uh, so so I've spent a chunk over the past 10 years just trying to help marketers figure this out and trying to, trying to go and talk with others who can help me figure this out because I've had a sense that blockchain and crypto and all these things were big deal. But still, to this day, one of the things that's consistent is that it's not always clear what and why and for whom. 
Like those seem to be the big questions that the confusion on what it is exactly. And uh, that's interesting. You almost helped co coin the term web three, <laughs> at least well, sort well, of. Well, well, not, I, I, I don't want to go uh, that yeah. far with it, but, uh, but to be, you know, an, enough of an early adopter. And, and, and I think that the article is something like 27 ways uh, marketers or advertisers can use blockchain. And I, I just came up with this list and, 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 and some of them are admittedly terrible and I'm sure even laughable now. Um, but, uh, and, and there were, there were a few people who did respond to that and be like, like, what's even talking about people who really knew this space and you know, most who saw it, who didn't know what was going on at all thought it was even worse. Um, but it's, uh, it, it's been fun to have roles where I can share these thoughts that are like far enough the way along so that I can get in touch with others who are trying to make waves and, and people like yourselves who are also just, just committed to making sense of this and figuring out what to do with it and helping your clients with it uh, and, uh, and then actually doing something about it. You know, it, it's, it's funny, uh, David, you, you bring up the idea of kind of, you don't even know if it's right or wrong just yet because there is no playbook and we're all flying by the seat of our pants a little bit and, Using the tools we've got uh, and we've developed over many, many years uh, in marketing and design and technology, but there are no there are no playbooks just yet. And uh, that that brings us to another uh, thought about you know you jumping into new spaces because I share that uh, that sentiment. I always was riding the edge of what's next, right? And now it's Web three. How how are you currently using Web three? Um, maybe get into a little bit of your um, CMO token and how you're marketing it and and what it's what it's all about. Uh, yeah, well, I had an opportunity uh, about a year and a half ago uh, where Jeremiah Oyang, so it's an amazing analyst and consultant practitioner uh, in the space, and and someone who I, I I've been learning from ever since I uh, uh, first spoke at an event with him in 2006 and, and it was following him well before that. Uh, but but he IM'd me one day and he said, uh, how would you like to have a David coin? I'm like, ooh, that sounds cool as hell. And and, <laughs> and I remember when, when uh, you know, I, I'm embarrassed that I can't even pronounce everything in Web3, like the, um, the Doge, Coin. Doge I think coin, that's correct. Yeah. I think it's Doge. Yeah. Yeah. Is that pretty good? I, okay. Yeah. Okay. Th thank you. So uh, <laughs> that's why I need to just keep talking to others in space to get my pronunciation right. Uh, but uh, but ever since then, I was like, oh, is it possible to have an initial coin offering? And, and it was like, uh, not quite that easy to do so because it turned out you needed you know a decent amount of investment to go and uh, go through that whole process. Um, but uh, but as soon as he said that to me, I was like, well. Yeah, w one thing I've been pretty good at over over the course uh, of my career is that even when I wind up in some public facing roles, I don't want anything to be a vanity project. And I, I try, I, like if I'm uh, if I'm doing anything on my own, it's like like then I'm just inclined to be more self deprecating about it, but not to be this like yeah, I'm I'm at the center of everything. And that was true in building a community over the past four years. So. So as soon as he said that to me, I was like, well, there's some to this. I love the idea. Uh, 
uh, I've got this community of a few thousand marketers, serial marketers. How do we make it something that could be more useful for them and something way bigger than just a, a David coin? And so fittingly, I asked the community one day, I said, so if we were going to have a ticker symbol for our community, and I wasn't explaining what this was and didn't give them any of the context of the platform I was uh, talking to Jeremiah about, uh, uh, no real background on it. So just thought experiment here, three to five letter ticket symbol, uh, what would you do? Uh, and there's some great ideas that came through and uh, as some of them like different plays on the word marketer or advertiser. And, uh, and then someone said uh, something about like, like KPIs and uh, uh, CTR for click-through rates. And was like, oh, wait a second. Like I didn't really look up marketing acronyms yet. And I, and so I Googled marketing acronyms, CMO comes up first and I, I am Jeremiah. And I was like, this is it. Like we're going to launch the CMO coin. So he was working with his platform rally.io. I got to be one of the first 50 or so creators on this platform. And, and he's like, are you sure? I'm like, I, like as soon as I saw it, I heard it. And I even actually gave some of the first CMO coins to the community member who, who came up with the idea that uh, most closely inspired it. So, uh, um, and so it gave this, uh, it gave me access to this economy for community, which is really different because now there are ways to go and, and involve people and reward people, um, incentivize uh, community members in a way that feels more like having a stake in the community rather than something that feels purely transactional. And there's also something that, uh, that, you know, this really just builds on a lot of, uh, like a lot of social psychology. And you, know, you think about like Daniel Kahneman style research that like, once you abstract the, the, the mechanism of payment a little bit, then, then, because the value becomes a little murkier, it can actually feel far more rewarding to say, you know, regardless of if the CMO coin is a dollar on one day or $10 another, um, just having some literal you know, token of appreciation can matter far more. And, and this, and it'll matter far more than like trying to offer a five or $10 Starbucks gift cards, uh, uh, something mm. like that, that will actually feel like it cheapens the experience. So then it's like, what do we do with that, right? And um, and that's just enabled a lot of experimentation. It enabled, say, you know, bounties for participating in research and enabled things like you know, rewarding people for certain kinds of social interactions. Uh, some members have experimented with selling services through CMO coins and being part of that economy themselves. Uh, and so, so suddenly there's just far more possibility when it's not just uh, uh, cash transactions, but still having some uh, some layer of exchange that feels you know, branded for the community itself. Mm. So, so it's it's less about you know, um, hey, the CMO coin will be ten dollars and you know in a, in a year, a hundred dollars or two hundred, and it's more about giving people a stake in the community through through equity. Um, and ultimately what you're offering them is 
utility or services, really, uh, at the end of the day. And that is true, true value. Nice. Yeah, and, and this is uh, and this is where a lot of it's starting, because, yes, like it's, you know, one of those funny things is with the uh, with Web3 in general is that it's easier to get people excited about it when they see the price going up than if the price is going down. And that's regardless of where it actually starts. So even a starting uh, starting corn price that's too high can set irrational expectations for it. Um, so so people are going to care, right? Like people will still check the price of CMO or the price of the rally token, the price of Bitcoin, ETH, and, and, and anything out there. And, and so... You know, so, sort of like what we see on the macro level. Yeah, it's like, uh, so uh, Biden has a string of defeats. He can't get any bill passed. He, uh, uh, inflation's going up. Gas prices are going up. Everyone thinks he's like in the like bottom five as far as like the worst presidents ever, right? Like the, the yeah. left hates him, the right hates him. Now, uh, uh, gas prices are going down. Bill passed to get inflation going down. Uh, unemployment's record low levels, all this stuff. And now, like, again, a matter of weeks, Biden's somehow one of the most effective presidents ever, right? And so there is mm. that zeitgeist that comes with it. And now it's like, well, people want to get on that bandwagon. So it does take a lot of restraint in general. And so this is like me and my CMO microcosm, but this is marketers and consumers writ large of how do you not make this a bandwagon play? How do you make this play of like, what is this actually good for? And can you do something meaningful with it? Yeah, I think that's the challenge is, you know, um, retaining people in your these new environments that we're creating, whether it be Discord or CMO tokens or anything else like that, um, capturing their imaginations. And much like you, you said, David, it's easy to kind of get people excited. But how do you keep them engaged, right? And that is the million-dollar question for any marketer or advertiser. Um, yeah, that's that's great. What are examples of Matt, the kind you, of engagement you're saying? Just curious. So, uh, so in terms of like the kinds of things that will get people to take notice about, yeah, you know, I'd say one like one of the most useful things that that we wound up having in the community is. Uh, a private group. So a lot of the day-to-day communities in Slack were not as fully Web3 and like all in with Discord as uh, uh, as is the case for, I, I think, you know, most tech-related communities that are, that are launching today. Uh, and so in Slack, we have this CMO Coin Advisors group with a monthly call where we're, we're bouncing around I- ideas for uh, how do we use this? How can we... Uh, uh, what, what do we what do we actually do about it, and how do we learn from each other on this? So, um, for instance, there's a a, a company called Thece, T H E C E, where they wound up uh, helping uh, bring to life the first ever um, the first ever upfronts for uh, for gaming, um, and so. Uh, they worked with the IAB, the Interactive Ad Bureau, on this. And as part of this, then f- for uh, for teams that participated uh, in, in these gaming upfronts, 
uh, and and there was a real interactive layer. So so it wasn't just about uh, how much people are spending. There were actually a, 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 there was a gaming tournament as part of it, and so so then they minted a certain you know, custom edition CMO coin as you know, the inaugural. Uh, you know, for the inaugural events participants. And now that, like, they've got this uh, keepsake of a token, um, you know, there's still this question of what do you then do with that going forward? But it's like it gave all of us a way for uh, for this to market the community to these, you know, these gaming participants and to the IAB itself. But then it also allowed Thies and the IAB to just, now go and extend the shelf life of this brief event that they were doing. Uh, and so now there's something that they can even just uh, follow up with these participants and coin holders. And, and, and then and then it starts getting really interesting as far as what is year two and three and four look like. And so it's just taken a lot of that building, right? Like, like we're thinking about this as a much longer marketing program not a one-off campaign and i think like that mm. like that's one of the most important things to look out for in terms of marketers embrace of web3 it's like are they trying to do a one-off stunt is this like yeah here's our one shot at this or is this something that's part of uh, that's one tactic as part of an actual strategy Mm. You you also, David, you brought something up er, uh, earlier in that, that piece. Um, as far as, you know, communities go, it, you know, as marketers, we're so used to kind of speaking to communities, right, and setting up communities, but then speaking at them. But in reality, when we set up like a marketing one or even with ARC, we're setting up one. It's not just to invite people into uh, our community or, hey, get the ARC token or whatever it may be or white papers or whatever we're, we're doing or publishing. It's to get feedback, right? And it almost – it takes a village, right? Um, and that feedback is in, invaluable. And where we're getting feedback is from marketing folks like yourselves, technologists and innovators – um, software engineers, designers, game designers, metaverse. These are all environments that we're going to be learning from no matter what you do for a living. And and there are opportunities like that. And, I, I, and you know, I'm not just speaking for myself here because I, uh, one, one of the things that's most exciting for me, you know, when, when you wind up taking part in some new kind of media, then, then one of the things that I, I've just been – so appreciative of time and time again, and this is true for blogs or newsletters or for those who are podcasting and, and video casting areas like that, that I, I haven't really been, you know, a, a, a creator uh, in that sense. And it's definitely true as far as being a community manager uh, and now a coin originator um, is, is that it gets you access to all these peers who are, work on similar challenges. So it's like this ticket into a club, right? Uh, in, in the case of Clubhouse, as that was a thing for a while, it uh, literally was a Clubhouse club. And so uh, uh, and so, so there's just this great way to learn from each other. And so for uh, if you're if, if there is a community where you have um, some kind of 
token associated with it, then I, I think a lot of community organizers are just so eager to do more with that. Like if, like if someone came to me and said, you know, we want to get some feedback for your, uh, from your community and we'll incentivize the first hundred people to give a response with five CMO coins. I like, you know, my gut on this is I just want to make that a pass through cost, right? Like, so just, uh, just put those 500 CMO coins in escrow, uh, and then, uh, and then I'll distribute them. I'll say, you know, this is thanks to brand X that, that is doing this. Like, let's just get people using this. Let's get those insights to the marketer. And, uh, and then, uh, and then we're just all, we, you know, we win because we're learning what works and maybe, yeah, uh, and maybe I find out that only five people wanted to participate that way. Maybe I find out that there was a waiting list of five hundred people who would have participated if, um, if only the if the study was funded more. Right? Like so, there there are things like that that I I think right now are just like there are ways to work with creators, sort of like in early days of influencer marketing, right? Like like the first time you a brand reached out to most Instagram influencers, they weren't charging a thing, you know, uh, uh, right, right. like, like before, uh, to, to use one example of a really strong community there, like before mommy bloggers figured out how much their, uh, like their Instagram accounts, how much their tumblers and blogs were worth, like they were just psyched to hear from a brand and get that kind of notice. And now I think we're having that point now with, a lot of these community organizers with like uh, creator coins. It's just like, like, let's just do something cool later on. This goes really well. Okay. You know, we'll, uh, figure out the economics later, but like, let's just do more. Let's just learn more. Uh, and, and so those who are ready to just have those conversations and get into a little bit of a weird area, there are terrific opportunities right now. Yeah. Yeah. We're, and you know, to, it's, it's important to realize it, to your point, we're, we're creating the inroads to this. We're, we're creating the highways now. Um, there, there are no points of contact th that are, you know, cemented and, you know, cemented, I should say. Uh, but, um, yeah, it, it's, um, it's, it's, you know, very interesting for sure. I'm curious, uh, just zooming out a little bit. Uh, I think a lot of people who are listening to this may be thinking, okay, well, how do I, how do I jump in? Right. We're always saying jump in. So David, what, what kind of advice would you give people who are saying they want to get into web three? They're looking at it. It's pretty intimidating in the beginning for a lot of people. Yeah. Well, well, some of it is just trying to see uh, who are the folks who are talking about this in a, a remotely interesting way, right? Like what, what are you, uh, uh, go in your trade of choice. Uh, it could be women's wear daily if you're in the retail space, right? It could be something that's focused on a specific, uh, a specific vertical. But but who's out there just trying to? Uh, that, that, like the the good news is I'm not alone, right? You're not alone, Rich, Matt. Like right. you know, we're uh, there. There's there are quite a number of us out there. So it's like. Like, like anyone who reached out to any of the three of us, like we're probably going to pick up the phone and try to have a conversation and it doesn't have to have some like uh, 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 some direct endpoint there. But uh, but again, like through my 
through my network, for instance, of some of these other coin creators, let alone members of the community who are specifically interested in Web3, I'd love to throw stuff their way, right? Like, like uh, there's a person who's designed all the NFT tokens or, or any of the good ones, at least, for zero markers. I did a terrible one in PowerPoint myself that I take um, all the blame for, but uh, but <laughs> she she knows it and she... Um, uh, so Do you have the classic so keywords case, coming in, the sliding with the typewriter effect. <laughs> that, you gotta love that. Uh, 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 oh, it's it's it, it's it is it's the worst with clip art and everything. I love but, it, uh, but but it served <laughs> its, its purpose for a uh, a kind of Super Bowl pool that I, I was trying to hack together using uh, uh, using tokens as the uh, ticket to get you a, a you know a bid for one of the scores in the in the boxes. Um, so so like. Yeah, uh, it, so if if I can funnel more people to Miriam Reza, who's this incredible artist and also just student of the NFT space, who has an amazing track record of what she's done, like I get just anyone who wants to reach out to me or or anyone who's out there talk about this stuff, like we probably have a, a network and know some good starting points. Um, and, and so so yeah, so much of it is just. Like once you start trying to take an interest, right? Like, like reading CoinDesk, CoinDesk does a really surprising job actually covering brands in, um, you know, in Web three. And so I tend to see better coverage of brands in Web three from CoinDesk than I do in the ad trades. And right, uh, so great. Then like, like this is where I'm getting my information. And and you know what I ignore the ninety percent of stuff in terms of you know, what coins are rising and falling. <laughs> right, right. Now, uh, David, with you know Matt and I have been having some discussions, and it's bubbled up in some of our, our our previous podcasts of the idea of failing in public. Right. So we, we've we've talked about um, protocols. We've talked about, you know, major protocols, you know, hitting bottom and literally grounding out people losing their shirts on certain things from an investment standpoint. From a software side of things, we are seeing, because we are playing on the world's computer, if you will, um, software companies failing, right? How How can marketers comfortably take chances in this space uh, and mitigate the risks for, for their brand and and uh, and everything else they're doing from a marketing standpoint. Well, a lot of it's being comfortable that there's you know, that that there are a couple of different kinds of risk. Uh, so there are security risks where you have to you know, where you have to protect your customers. You, you know, if, if you're um, you know if you're doing something, uh, say in the NFT space and distributing tokens. Uh, then, then talking to those partners and and tech and service providers, and say like, like so, what, uh, like let's say our customers spend a thousand dollars or a hundred thousand dollars on on some of these NFTs, right? Like there are, uh, and and some some of these token prices get well into the six figures here, even on the brand side. Then, then you want to make sure that like. Okay, like what's the worst that can happen, and can you make sure that it doesn't become some PR disaster? So at least, and and now, um, the good news is anyone who's joined at this point has seen 
of examples of a lot of the worst that can happen because uh, unfortunately it seems to be this uh, ongoing trope right now and a lot of the companies that weren't protecting security the right way either have to pivot quickly or are no longer uh, with us. Um, but then there, there's the other side of it and, and it's more like the emotional side of it, right? Like I'll, I'll speak on a personal level as someone who, uh, as someone who went through that cliche of a COVID era divorce. Now, I had to get used to the idea that like, oh, well, yeah, at first going into this, it was, wait, wait a second, like everyone's gonna think I had a failure of marriage. It's like, no, it was actually, uh, it was actually worth it while it lasted. And now it's a chance to uh, find another stab at something that works for each of us in a different way. Um, but getting that, uh, you know, uh, getting that out of my head uh, it takes a lot of work, right? So, so, so that emotional side of it, I, I just want to say you can't discount it. Yeah. It's really, um, it, it's important, but it's also important to realize that most of that is going to be in your head and not in the eyes of the, in the eyes of the public. There are always people, as soon as you do anything remotely public, it's like, yes, there's going to be snark on Twitter. There's going to, going to be stupid comments popping up places that's an, anywhere and, and everywhere. That's like the cost of living digitally. But I think that most people, especially right now, um, when you're doing something that's remotely on that cutting edge where that's remotely something that someone in your category, someone that's a brand that's remotely like yours hasn't done before, and that's most of Web3 right now, then if people are going to notice it, then people are going to accept that maybe this isn't going to work and that there's going to be a, a lot more of that longer term excitement that, oh, this is a brand that tried setting up a token economy. This is a, a brand that tried to gate content in some way. Uh, this is a brand that tried to, to use Web3 to bridge online and offline. And maybe the first stab at it, there were five people who did it. And, and the next stab at it, there, there were 500. When uh, I was at 360i, we helped H&R Block get on on Twitter in the uh, um, in time for the 2009 tax season. They were one of the first brands on Twitter. They had about 500 followers. One of them was then one of the biggest tech influencers, Robert Scoble, and he was tweeting about them. He, like, he, was, he was writing about them in Fast Company. He couldn't have been more excited. So it was like, like, like you think now, like, oh, you had 500 people for a major national brand on Twitter. And now it's like, no, now they can tell people that they've been doing this for about 15 years and they've been on the cutting edge. And so, you know, long term, it's more that they had and they had that earlier runway to learn from and build on. And it's not about what were their hits and misses with their first attempts. Would you also say that companies um, get a little more credit than they think they do in terms of people's short attention spans? They're not going to remember the failures as much as long as you're making headway. Yeah, the, uh, there's some degree of that, and and, and I think that um, this also, yeah, that there, some of it is what are your goals right now? Uh, so so if you're if you're trying to get attention, there's also a lot of ways to do so, especially if you're doing uh, something that hasn't 
been done before. But if you want to be more of a, a follower, whether a faster, even somewhat slower follower, like that's okay too. That could be very intentional to go and and at least uh, uh, at least plan to delay the game a little bit, plan to say, you know what, we, we want to do something a little bit more like what someone else has done. Look like the, you know, the 50th or the hundredth brand to set up an island in Roblox. It, it might not get the same attention as what Nike does at first or what Spotify does at first, but then they do have something resembling the start of a playbook to build on. They got a little bit more of a sense of, is this target audience, right? They can actually spend time. Hopefully they're spending a lot of time in Roblox, whether they thought they would ever do that, whether or not they have kids living at home with them and actually see who are these people? What are they saying? What are they, they doing? And, and now you can ask those questions. And that's great too, because then you can skip ahead to not just, you know, will at age pick this up, but like, what's the actual value we're getting out of it? Uh, from uh, you know, from being in this place where ideally their their target audience and their families are. I want to rewind on one last point. I'm just so curious. You're using sort of the uh, divorce analogy, and I think there's something that a lot of brands they they come to love their own brands so much. And and Rich, you you and I talk about this a lot about brands needing to get out of their own way, almost needing to almost mm. detach a little bit and being willing to move to the next thing. Uh, I guess both from David and Rich, I just would love to hear your thoughts in terms of, of how brands can, can become more comfortable getting out of their own way to get to the next phase, to not uh, cling to previous campaigns or what did or didn't work, but rather just venture into the unknown, which is Web3, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll just jump in and say, you know, there, there is there is risk of dinging your your reputation or your messaging or whatnot. But as David was, you know, pointing out, it, you you kind of have to start to dip your toes into this, and you have to play in this world. And you can, in a very safe way, um, but a lot of it is is a little bit risky, and you you have to be able to say and let yourself go or your brand go a little bit and say. We're, the dynamics are changing here, right? Our customers are no longer who we thought they were. And we, we now truly are a service to, to the end users. Um, I think the narrative is, is changing. It will change quite a bit. And brands will have to adopt it. And how hard you hit the gas in that world, um, you know, uh, uh, is up to you. I mean, we're seeing really interesting things like uh, with even with Tiffany's, I call it brand dating. I love it. Um, you know, Tiffany's and CryptoPunks getting together to do some kind of cool uh, physical and digital NFT experience that to me, they and Tiffany's is a pretty, I would consider a fairly conservative, conservative brand. Obviously, they have, you know, a, a pretty big audience and their brand itself is is larger than life, but that was a, a pretty risky move. And who knows if it'll work? It might fall on its face, but it gave a lot of us a, like a smile. And we did read the article, and we did like it did put Tiffany's top of mind. You know, last week when we were talking with colleagues and 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 friends. So I, I think you know there's there's tremendous value in trying. Did you see that campaign? And getting out David? there. <laughs> 
the Tiffany's thing. Yeah, well, well, and and Tiffany is a fascinating brand because because actually before that campaign, when I started doing some talks this year about Web three, I would actually bring up a stunt that Tiffany did where they used coins as an April Fool's joke, and so so I thought that was amazing that that like they Ben and Jerry's and others like they like they they were talking about web three as a joke right they were making fun of it and great so so that was like one of the big themes uh, this year but then they actually did something for real but it also brings to mind something that tiffany did that that i included in the mobile marketing playbook that i wrote for the agency 360i and so so tiffany had one of the coolest mobile apps i'd ever seen and i'm i'm not sure if uh, this is still a, a feature is part of it but they had a ring sizer in it so that you could go and take one of your partner's rings and put it on the app screen and find out the ring size, you know, and oh, that's super know, useful. I wow. remember the process of trying to, yeah, yeah. trying to do this when, uh, when I was getting engaged and it took a lot of surreptitious effort to go and like, you know, borrow a ring and take it to a jewelry shop and get that size. So they made this right. like a five second process. So this is something where you know, uh, they, they've actually been at the tech forefront deserve so much credit for this. Yeah. This, what seems like a very traditional brand, but they're way ahead of consumer behavior. And, and it, it's just, it's, it's fascinating to see this, however successful or not this one iteration is right. Like they're, they're just, it's great to see them just staying in there. Yeah, it it's kind of reminds me of um, some of the uh, optics companies where you can try on. Well, you know, years ago I worked on an app I think for Sterling Optical where you could try on on different glasses and whatnot. But one of the one of the ones that it, in this in this category that stands out to me was Bell and Ross, the the uh, watchmaker had you know they these big beautiful aviation style um watches and you could literally put your phone right on your wrist and you know see what it actually looks like against your skin color and you know get a sense of 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 how it is and that and that's that's awesome and that kind of brings me into a a little bit more of a you know uh, an extension on that discussion is image versus message uh when it comes to marketing and the future of marketing how do you weave these together, right? And how? What's the ability to extend the brand in Web three? Yeah, and and this is also where figuring out you know, what that kind of brand value is. It because uh, because uh, it could take a lot of different forms. You know, oh, in the in the mobile example, Tiffany went full on that utility route. Okay, so, um, so this this wasn't about uh, playing some kind of you know ring hunt game or something like that. This wasn't some sort of. You know, they could have easily gone some early like predecessor to Pokemon Go that others were doing with geocaching and you know you, uh, find some kind of things like like that or, or around your city and it leads you into a Tiffany store. Like other brands were were doing that too. Um, but, uh, but they found this way to say like, oh, if, if, you know, if Tiffany is helping me go and, uh, if, like, if I have to download this app to go and, uh, um, 
you know, make this process a little bit easier, then probably like a, you know, a few folks are, are going to be considering the brand more when they're going to make that purchase. And, and there, you know, that like the time to purchase is extremely close. Uh, so, mm-hmm. so, so it was, uh, about as as perfect an execution for something that was just a, a really small feature like that. Um, and so, yeah, what kind of brand image uh, do you want to provide? Uh, uh, you know, what uh, what are the kinds of audiences you want to be associated with? Like, are the people you want to reach uh, through something in Web three? Are they even you know Are they even there yet? Um, and then I, and then I think what's going to happen so much or, uh, as the decade goes on is that all these elements that's that, that we talk about as part of that Web3 bundle right now, you know, currencies, uh, NFTs, uh, it, uh, these uh, immutable ledgers and the uh, 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 and these it just like subsets of discussions and features of Web3 that many of us agree are part of it in some way, they just kind of, they just kind of uh, uh, fade into just part of the tools that are available for marketers. You know, like uh, one of my favorite examples of augmented reality to this day remains the first down marker on uh, TV (laughs) football games. Uh, I can't watch football without those superimposed lines, right? Like I, if I <laughs> see some game from 30 years ago, I'd have no clue what's going on on the field. So it's like, like it's just this like digital layer superimposed over the real world, and it just makes things better. No one talks about turning on the TV once or more uh, during a fall weekend and watching augmented reality. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and and it is about how the technology, in this case, Web three, can extend that that playtime, that extend that brand experience and connection, and make new connections. And personally, Web three, you know, we we've been studying this for so many years, um, like yourself, David. And to me, the playground is wide open, and it's a new one. It's a new playground. It's it's. There's so many new tools and ideas and concepts that are be- brewing uh, behind the scenes that could take um, re- add real utility and value and entertainment to the brand. Whether you are maybe you're a finance company and you know there is a real utility to what you do, but then there's an entertainment component to it. Um, it it's amazing, and I think it's it's going to be kind of profound. I think it's interesting. Are there any pillars of marketing that you think will remain the same? Yeah, you know the the fundamentals will stay the same, even if we don't have a playbook. And so, uh, so we're still going to be writing the playbook from scratch along the way. Uh, but this is why it's so important to go back to a lot of what we're discussing today. What are your goals? Who are you trying to reach? Are these people there? If not, then uh, do you need to set expectations differently? Are you doing this because, uh, okay, maybe your audience isn't there en masse, but this is more of an influencer marketing play. Are you doing this to generate press? Or are you actually doing this because you're 
hosting some event coming up and you want to maybe make this part of a series and now you're going to be able to use some of the features of this Web3 enabled ticket that probably comes in the form of an NFT style token um, that then unlocks digital experiences to, that carry through well after the event's done that allows you to connect with other people who were there uh, and gives you some kind of functionality going into it. So uh, so all of this, it's just like the, the fundamentals should never be tossed aside. And, and, uh, um, and, and this is where it really helps to just ladder this up into anything else you're doing, right? Like, like how does Web3 extend the life of your brand story, your brand purpose, uh, and um, and then and and if it really doesn't, right? If it's it, if it's just so at odds with this, or if the ideas you've heard so far for how to do that don't mesh with that, then that is probably a good time to step aside and say, well, is there anyone else we could speak to? Is there anything else we should be doing that does actually make sense? That still makes this the Tiffany story or the H&R Block story and and makes sense for how and why that brand is living in that place. David, I think for a while, companies could get so much press doing just anything Web3, uh, but that seems to be changing, right? Yeah, and, and that's something where it's a relief in some ways to see a lot of that hype die down because then uh, once, once you can't get the easy press from it, then it's like, okay, you know, are you actually have to uh you have to work a little harder and find some other kinds of value that that come beyond that and, and if you are and if you are doing it to get some of that pre- like that that's not a bad thing either uh um to acknowledge it but then uh but then hopefully you're having that conversation in terms of what comes after that yeah uh and uh and and how do we keep this going how do we support this if we're yeah, uh, if we're starting something in um, in Horizon, that's uh, that's uh, part of the uh, the Facebook metaverse, yeah. uh, the the Facebook Meta metaverse. Yeah, uh, then um, then what happens uh, on day two? Like after you launch it, what happens on day three hundred sixty-five or sixty-six? Uh, how do you support it if it is a success? What do you do about it if it isn't? Like again, some of this stuff is what's old is new again. It just reminds me of when some brands would launch Twitter accounts and then forget about them, right? Like you'd even have customer service accounts, and I don't want to name names here, but I remember some that were egregious where they launched these and then they just didn't have a plan to keep going. So people kept tweeting these accounts and looking for answers, and the lights weren't on. You know? Uh, and there wasn't even any message yeah. to say, here's, wow. what, uh, here's what comes out of it. So it's like, you just need to be prepared for that. Yeah, and better off just shutting the accounts down because it's doing more brand damage than anything yeah. else. Yeah, so um, what, you know, what are we, what are we, what are you thinking about as far as, you know, um, communities and engaging communities, right? And, and this is a big deal. We, we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier. Um, you know, how can companies build communities 
and the necessary resources that uh, people may may need and may gravitate towards. To that whole Twitter discussion right now, you know, it was left alone, right? There's care and feeding. But what are, what are communities, what are new Web3 communities are going to look like? Yeah, well, well, hopefully they don't all just look like the same Discord communities that everyone else <laughs> is building, even if there's nothing wrong with it. Discord uh, community. And, yeah. and and one of the reasons that I, I think uh, brands should appreciate are uh, uh, that has made Discord so successful there is because of all the uh, Web3 related integrations. And so uh, so for all kinds of things, it's easy to link a lot of other accounts to Discord and have some of that uh, proof of ownership, proof of membership. Uh, and then you can uh, gate communities in, in certain ways that you can't with pretty much any other mass market community related tool. Um, one thing to also consider though, is once you start getting transactional, like what, one of the things we hear a lot about are DAOs. Right? Uh, and so, uh, so these, uh, so these kinds of organizations start uh, just making headlines more and more where you pony up to some degree and and now you get to be part of this collective that then helps shape what this kind of community does uh, i explored this for serial marketers because i really wanted to go and experiment with a dow but the stuff i was seeing out there uh that you know that was a lot of it set up in a way where those with the most disposable income to invest in it then have the most votes and you might say that you know, that resembles Western democracy a little bit too much, uh, um, but uh, I, uh, I I think that if there are better ways to do that where it's really tied to you know one person one vote, and so so it becomes a true collective, and and you can't just have one voice drown out all the others. Uh, um, mm-hmm. But there there are some big considerations that. Uh, that you need to start focusing on in terms of you know, that make these kinds of communities a little different. Cause when I was just trying to start something on Slack, like there was no way to do that, right? You could have people who are like overly loud in a room, um, but they can't necessarily like, you know, sway uh, where an entire community or, or organization heads. And so uh, I, I, I think that, that trying to find ways for Web3 to get back to some of these democratic ideals uh, that have fallen by the wayside when there was like this uh, cash grab to be had, then uh, I I think that's going to be really important too because there are some great uh, ideals that Web3 introduced or reintroduced that uh, keep coming up in this uh, keep coming up through these digital technologies, but often fall by the wayside when there, you know, when there's money to be made. Right, and it's also really interesting to, to think about, you know, the idea of DAOs and well, any kind of new Web three technology. It's going to come fast and furious over the next couple of years. It doesn't mean that it's the right fit for your organization or your brand. Um, a DAO, pretty much the way I see it, and I see a few operations, uh, you know, companies operating under DAOs, there's specific legal reasons 
they're doing it, but there's also um, the communities they're catering to through the DAO are developer communities that are number one very accustomed to these uh, new new setups, new organizational setups, and they it's a it works very similar to the web uh, web three works or blockchain works, whereas work is submitted. It's validated on nodes or people, or it could be the committees, and then fed back, and you're rewarded for that. Um, so it's not a one-size-fits-all. I totally agree with you, David. Something I'm wondering is uh, what kind of overlap can we see with Web3 and conventional advertising and marketing? Yeah, well, this is where I think you know, some of the the – uh, or initial ideas of, of Web3 and even some of those things that I was spitballing in Ad Age back in the day. It's like the, the tech needs to catch up to a lot of the promise uh, of this. So if you look at, say, you know, being able to, uh, you know, being able to verify that, um, that a certain action happened and that this transaction should take place. Uh, if, if we look at some of the uh, issues where I'm based over at MediaOcean, this omnichannel ad platform, then trying to figure out what comes after the third-party cookie, trying to figure out like, how to get people to verify that their ad was delivered in a way an actual human being saw it, uh, uh, how to take a lot of the waste uh, out of the whole digital ad supply chain, um, uh, how to make sure that as ads then move into new frontiers, like as, as we're seeing with various forms of digital television, such as in the uh, connected TV space, uh, then, then how to do these right in the sense of making sure that they're reaching the people that you're hoping to reach in the right way. There are a lot of these things that Web3 is well positioned to solve, but there still needs to be a lot of that infrastructure um, built up. You, know, you need to be able to process certain volumes of transactions and dollars per second. Uh, you need to have a lot of a lot of different parties agreeing to work with the same systems of record. Like if these are huge challenges and so uh you know it gets into broader discussion in terms of like how ads are transacted on you know what what kinds of currencies are used to transact with them but because of the hundreds of billions of dollars spent on uh on advertising then then it gets more and more complicated by the day right? I, I, so so that there's some really big big hurdles to clear. Uh, the, you know, the barrier of entry, I think, is a, a lot higher than some of the initial startups when I, I, I kept hearing about some of these Web3 plays like yeah, five years ago or more. Um, you know, most of those that have made it have actually made it by being much more like Web 1.0 companies. So so I do think that that there's a lot of promise out there. And, and now there's even some talk of like, what does Web 2.5 look like? Yeah, you know, how do we step back a little bit from Web 3, but advance a little bit of Web 2, mm. uh, and and try to use some of the best of both just to get us somewhat further along? 
and th- and this is where I think that we don't need to give up on the promise of what's coming. It's just you know, we need to take a look at some of the earlier promises and, and better understand you know, why they haven't come to fruition yet, even when a lot of them seem like really good ideas that would benefit the advertiser, the publisher, the consumer, uh, uh, and and everyone around. And I, and I remember in some of those earlier days, some of the people that were trying to educate me on this, I was like, well, this seems great, but what part of the whole tech stack, what part of the supply doesn't exist anymore after uh, 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 after Web3 comes along and improves all this? And it was a really hard question then to answer just as it is right now. I think now. this is a, I got to follow up with that. So we hear a lot of terms being thrown around. We hear Web 2.5, 2.7. How do we know when it's just actually Web 3? How do we make that distinction? It, yeah, well, well, a, a lot of it is like, you know, what, what we see with artificial intelligence, right? Like, like everyone claims to be an AI company. And, and so uh, when are, <laughs> you know, uh, so... So when is it really something based on on uh, aspects of machine learning that make a, a whole system smarter without human intervention, without a lot of the rules-based systems? Um, yeah, it go, goes back to the old, old adage of, you know, when you see it, like there are some things that are clearly definitely in that Web3 bucket that couldn't have done uh, been done before a lot of these new platforms and technologies. Uh, a lot of it, you know, a lot of it's marketing. Yeah, and frankly, Matt, um, to me, the difference is truly being decentralized, right? So 2.5, that 2.5 is funny to me because it's like, um, let's dip our toes in, but we don't want to lose our market share, right? So, you, you, or or potentially, you know, steer the ship in the wrong direction. But ultimately, you know, Web 2 was really about, you know, the end consumer is the product, right? Um, And that's the way large technology companies have treated us. Web 3 is now, in in essence, putting the control back into the citizen's hands, so the consumer's hands. And they become their own, if you will, DSP, right? Uh, advertising DSP. And it's a little, I see David looking at me like, whoa, that's a weird concept. But it kind of makes sense when you think about it. You'll have control over what advertisers you want to interact with, what brands that may be down to that granular level, um, and what it's worth to you. And then you become part of the economics and the actual machinery that is marketing and advertising. As a People take back ownership. Are people getting savvier about being marketed to? I think so. I think the I think people are getting smarter already, and, and I think that's the reason why. And I love that term, two point five. It's like mm, we kind of know it's coming, but we're not sure we want to give up full control. Um, it, it is coming, um, and you know, it, it, people are getting a little bit more savvy, and it is a mind shift. It, shift it's a, a a chasm that we all have to to jump across um where it is a more uh demo, a democratic uh or democratized if you will environment and we do have more choice and more options i think the rules of engagement will be will change and that's why a lot of companies are 
doing the 2.5 shuffle, if you will. <laughs> Although this is where I, I still, I love the idealism. I just haven't seen a lot of it in action yet. I mean, CMO coin, I'll, 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 I'll speak uh, uh, as part of the problem as well. Now, ultimately, uh, I could shut CMO coin down tomorrow. I could try to just cash out in some way and tank the value of it. Um, there, uh, I can gatekeep you know, what kinds of offers are posted uh, through it. So there, there's a lot of censorship in a way that I, you know, I could do through my own coin. Um, similarly, a lot of these Web3 platforms wind up falling victim to some form of an oligarchy. So you have the, the you know, those with the most wealth. Again, they've they've got the most votes, the most shares, and so uh, so so I think that we need to go back to seeing uh, how do we have those control because because there were a lot of attempts over the past twenty years for consumers to own their own data to be more selective with uh, the kinds of uh, the the kinds of ads that they see. I mean, and then we see some of the solutions like like GDPR and the versions of it in the states. Right? Like, I mean, most of us would love to take more control over our data. Do any of us really think that saying that having those pop-ups that say we have to accept or reject cookies makes any difference at all? No, it's just like one more button we have to click, and sometimes keep clicking every time <laughs> we get so annoying. I feel on that. It doesn't right. remember. It's like like what. So uh, and and those who got richest are the lawyers, and those who got richest are the companies that can afford to implement all the uh, uh, all those new regulations. So it's like yeah, the uh, the rich get richer in this sense, and which is why a lot of the largest companies in tech are the ones who advocate for the most regulations because they're the ones who can actually afford to implement them, uh, and they shut out a lot of the new companies coming. So like I still, but rich, I want to believe. Uh, and 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 the tech <laughs> does do. the tech can deliver on that promise better than a lot of the tech that's come before. What kind of guardrails, if any, should we be implementing to ensure that there is some kind of equality moving forward? Yeah, well, well, there, uh, there. I mean, I think it's more like going into something and and trying to determine. Uh, do you want those guardrails in the first place? And um, can you, you know, can you do that with the kind of system or, or program that you're going to run? Maybe you can't in the 1.0 version just yet, but uh, how do you get there? How do you push your uh, partners or uh, you know, the service and tech providers to go and, uh, and build those for you? Uh, so, so yeah, it's one of those, it depends things, but I think that that first step is the education to, uh, that there could, and ideally should be some of those guardrails in the first place. Great point. Hmm. Uh, okay. I think we have, um, maybe a couple more questions and we'll wrap up David, uh, just a really quick one and well, it's not actually quick, but we should make it quick. But um, what do you think marketing in the metaverse will be like in the future? Uh, virtual reality, you know, which, what would you love to see happen? Well, what I'd love to see happen is these 
shared communal experiences where you aren't just interacting with what you're seeing in some new way, um, but that there are ways to go and, and connect in different ways with the kinds of people you're interacting with. Uh, I, I think that there's a lot of this, like, like still that early version is uh, uh, what Second Life built. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and, and we're talking you know, 15 plus years ago. Um, where uh, where you can see some digital representation of something and there it's like, okay, it was kind of fun, right? Like like there was an Aloft hotel in Second Life that you could go and explore and, and you know, feel in a sense before you ever booked a stay in one. So it was like pretty good for the brand experience. But then um, what does it mean where you then uh, can participate in a, in a way that somewhat mirrors what would happen if you're say at an art gallery or sporting event or lecture um, uh, and can can build some of those kinds of relationships. I think what we're also going to see in the near term is a lot of that, like how do we put more you know, video screens up, right? Like how do we do more digital out of home ads and 15 and 30 second spots and, and just make this stuff easier to buy because what's, uh, that, that's also where a lot of the scale is going to come from. Uh, and, uh, and so there, like the, yeah, uh, the 15 second spot, say on, uh, a, on a Facebook ad or digital billboard or on your Roku home screen, like they're, most of them are not that different from each other. Uh, and so, right. So uh, I, I expect that we're going to see a lot of pushes there just to, and, and then it's that question too of like, yeah, I, I, I bristle at a lot of, uh, a, a lot of advertising being called social ads just because it runs on Meta or Twitter or TikTok. Um, but right. you can do, but you can do programs on any of those platforms that actually engage with those audiences in new ways and involve, you know, uh, uh, yeah, uh, the you know, consumer co-creation and, and responses and, um, and, and just being able to learn from what people are saying and doing in exciting ways that are totally different from what you'd experience in TV or print or anywhere else. Really yeah. I, I, I would a hundred percent agree with you, David. Um, it's not about, showing the usual ads on flat screen TVs in a VR environment. It's about extending the play with the brand. How do I interact with it? Can I, can I go into a store? Can I actually see my hotel room before I go? You know, I'm staying somewhere for a week. I want to make sure it's perfect. You know, to me, that's real value, really in, real interaction. Perhaps there's a concierge that you can talk to and, and, and set up a, uh, complete stays, including meals and whatnot. Um, so yeah, it has to go beyond the flat screen. It has to, you has to, you have to be able to touch and feel and interact and play with brands in some way. David, in terms of metaverse virtual environments, are there any platforms that excite you the most? Well, I, uh, I love, uh, you know, I, I mean, I love seeing some of the executions that are, are coming up in these 
virtual worlds. Like, I, I mean, Roblox is a lot of fun just because it's so visual and rich and there are a ton of brands there and, uh, and they've done a really smart job uh, uh, of at least having that, that feel of uh, what, like, what does an entertainment brand look like versus a retail brand versus someone else. Um, so, uh, uh, so I, 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 I think they're, they're just a, a fascinating leader in that space. Um, now w- with, with, uh, some of the platforms that, that I also get excited about, like, like one, one that I've spent a lot of time with, um, relating to my interactions with rally is called bonfire. Mm. And so it's this platform that allows so much more interaction and engagement with my own community. So I can plug my own coin in, into that and then do some of those things like like the surveys and coin drops and add a lot of that utility that isn't native to Rally. And so, um, which also, uh, which also uh, leads me to make sure that like when you're, when you're doing something that, you know, with some you know, web three type application, uh, is it something that you can build on? Is it like, like is it an actual, like, is it a destination um, or is it an actual platform? And I think that's a really important distinction. Yeah? And so if you, because because for Rally, a lot of the best features of it are not native to Rally. And that's great, you know, as long as people keep building and supporting that. Um, so so if, if it doesn't quite have what you want, are there other ways to go uh, uh, and uh, and get you there and to really do something in a way that you can make it your own and engage with the audience in the way you want to. And, uh, it's just a really important question to ask. Yeah. I, I love the analogy versus, you know, um, the destination versus the platform, right? Because web two is about destinations go and hang out and we'll advertise towards you. And yeah, you can interact in certain ways, but a platform is something to be built upon. Mm-hmm. And that's when you really start to engage your audiences and your communities start to help you build your world um, and um, start to extend your brand in, in their in their vision. So it's basically like a, a world versus a store, a seismic difference. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, David, as we wrap up, we tend to ask for key takeaways uh, for marketers listening to this, if they could only take one or two points away, what would those be? The biggest takeaway is remember the fundamentals. Yeah. Uh, so all the questions you ask of any other campaign or program that you're doing, uh, just uh, it, 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 it's so easy to get sucked into that shiny new object syndrome. Uh, and you don't have to, yeah, and, and, and it's, and it's refreshing that the uh, that folks on your team who've been doing this for 50 years and who have all that depth of experience both in marketing and and uh, the, those who have helped you know, write the uh, bible for uh, how your brand and organization live in the world like they become incredibly important um, whether or not they're the same ones, and they might be, who are championing what to do next and and uh, how to 
uh, uh, how to live and breathe and act in, in these new realms. So, uh, it, yeah, and, and that's, uh, I, I think, uh, some of the fun of this, that you can still, uh, you, you, can, you can still stick to that rigor you have with your brand, but to what Rich was getting into, uh, just as long as you're going in uh, just completely wide-eyed with the idea that most of what you do isn't going to work, and it, def- and it almost definitely isn't going to work at first, and 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 the way you plan on like a, a Murphy's Law will happen. Uh, it, yeah, just uh, expect uh, expect a lot of things to go and and change and morph along the way, uh, and and once you can get some comfort with that, then uh, it, it's still like the importance of being there and learning now is so much more important than, yeah, I, like, like I, I hope we never get all the kinks uh, figured out. Uh, so uh, uh, there, there's still... Because that's the fun part, exactly. right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, you have to be open. You have to be willing to kind of trip on your own shoelaces a little bit. But very important, what you mentioned, David, is don't forget the legacy that got you where you are now, right? There are tools in our tool belt that will never go away from a brand, marketing, design, technology standpoint, um, will never go away. With that said, I think um, we're going to wrap up this podcast. Um, Again, David Berkowitz, thank you so much for your time. Be sure, everyone, to check him out at Media Ocean and Serial Marketer. Um, it's a wonderful um, email newsletter uh, that it, it will entertain and engage and, and kind of educate you as well. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much, Thanks. Matt. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. This has been Web3 Unpacked. You can learn more about David Berkowitz at SerialMarketer.net. You can also learn more about ARC at ARC. TAI.com. Also, the conversation continues on Discord. Thanks for listening.